I think um, one of the struggles has been um, how to navigate in recent years um, the different value shifts as it relates to, you know, some of the social issues that churches are facing and just, you know, kind of doubling down on really being strong in the word of God, being loving and respectful, but not we're not going to bend on this. Uh, we do um, we do see around us some churches are are, are looking to be um, a little bit too affirming in these areas, and I think it, it's going to cause some problems. This is The Calling with Steve Smith, a Family Life original podcast that talks with pastors about the professional and personal challenges they face in their mission to lead others to Christ. Our guest for episode four is Jay Riggleman, lead pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus, New York. Jay, you've been doing this since 2005. Are you the Are you the kid? I'm curious. Are you the kid when you were in high school, or maybe junior high? Were you the Jesus kid? Were you the kid that's like, oh, this guy's probably going to grow up to be a pastor? Um, I don't think so, Steve. I I didn't come to faith in Christ till I was about um, 16 years old, and so I did. I was exposed to the gospel uh, in middle school, but before that, I was the kid growing up who never went to church, didn't really know anything about God. Um, so God did kind of an amazing thing to me. I, I probably developed into that that kind of kid towards the end of high school because I, I did have a desire uh, to be in ministry. But I just love how God directed me uh, in ministry using uh, some of the things that I love to do, like sports and music. So I, I wasn't just primarily kind of a pastor thing, but I, I did uh, have a desire to get involved in whatever church ministry would be like. Isn't it awesome how God uses our lives to, because now when you said you were the kid and, you know, until you were 16, you didn't uh, attend church. And now you, you coach varsity soccer, have been doing that for quite a while, quite a while in the local public school. So you can relate to a lot of those kids that you even coach every single day. Yeah, it's uh, that's one of the things that, that that God has given me a little bit of a platform with to kind of see kids and meet them where they're at because they certainly come from a lot of different backgrounds, different family settings, uh, and even my own family. Um, my parents uh, were divorced when I was younger, and uh, it wasn't all uh, religious roses and all these kind of things and just uh, great stuff all the time. And so being able to kind of be down to earth with them uh, using the platform of soccer has been uh, a good opportunity that God has given me. How long have you been coaching uh, varsity soccer at the public school level? Uh, this will be my eighth season. I've coached soccer for almost 30 years, but this is my eighth season at this particular uh, public school. I think about kids these days in that age range, the middle school, high school, that kind of thing. Boy, is it tough. Is it? Do we make too much of it? Is it tougher on them these days with all the distractions, uh, more so than maybe when we were growing up? Yeah, I, Steve, I think so. I think that's an accurate observation. Um, early on when I get into coaching, it seems like when kids showed up to practice, you really kind of focused mainly on on the sport or on the things that we needed to go over team. But sometimes I'm noticing more now that you, you're almost kind of gauging to see where the kids are coming in as far as attitude or just how they're carrying themselves because they're coming from a lot of different situations. They bring that stuff with them uh, to the sport and and we have to navigate some of those things as well because they're heavy on their heart. And and so 
have to do more of that than used to. Have you seen, and you don't have to mention any particular names unless you want to, um, <clears throat> let's take that platform that you talked about of uh, boys varsity soccer. Have some success stories of maybe a kid that came to you and, and you knew a little bit about him in middle school or high school, and this was kind of the, the tough kid that you would have thought, this, no way God can reach this kid. And, but somehow, through uh, God using you and maybe even other kids around this kid, that, that now you've seen the years go on, and, and now he's on fire. Have you seen some of that over the years? Um, not so much that in particular, but we, we have seen some movement where there are a few players uh, on the team, uh, one in particular over the last couple of years that, does attend our church, and I feel like he has had a um, a greater impact or influence on the other players because he feels more comfortable doing that. He's actually invited some to church. Uh, they've come to different outreach things that we've done, and uh, it's not necessarily directly through me, but I think he feels more comfortable because he knows me, and we're kind of tag teaming informally with that. And we're, we're just praying that God will will change some of the hearts of these kids. And I do feel like they. Um, can come to me or be, would be willing to come to me in those times when maybe they're struggling outside of soccer. Let's talk about it. Let's stay on the subject a little bit about being, you know, uh, you know, not of the world, but you're in the world uh, doing things and, and in contact with people. How do you, what advice would you give to other pastors or people in ministry who maybe are struggling with the decisions like, ah, I'm not sure if I should get involved in this organization because it's it's not a Christian, quote unquote, Christian organization. Uh, how, how do you counsel those people or what advice would you give to those who might be questioning or even considering getting into something outside the Christian walls? Yeah, I, I think um, one thing I would say to them is it's important just to start by asking questions. I think sometimes we assume uh, that a situation is going to be too difficult to get involved in or they're, they're going to ask us right up front to violate our values or, or something else. And, and that's really not always the case. Um, when I got into the soccer in the public school setting, it's the, you know, years ago, it was new for me and I, I wasn't sure. And so I just came in as a volunteer and said, I'm just here to help. But they did not, um, you know, put on me restrictions as far as this and that. And, and so you just kind of have to ask and, and, and navigate from there or go from there and see um, how it's working out. But, but don't let our own assumed fears keep us from at least um, reaching out. Because I, I have found that in, <clears throat> like in a school setting, they, they're looking for volunteers. They're looking for other adults to speak into the lives of these kids. And what better uh, person than maybe a pastor or a church person uh, to volunteer and do that? So don't give up too easily. Chatting with uh, lead pastor Jay Riggleman of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. And so since you've been lead pastor there since 2005, that's that's probably zipped right along in your minds like wow is that even, yeah. is that is that really been that long and tell us what you've experienced uh, how different the local church is or maybe even you've shifted not values necessarily but focus uh, or have you uh, how have you seen the local church change in the last 20 years well wow that's that's a that's a big question right there i, I think um one of the struggles has been um how to navigate in recent years um, the different value shifts as it relates to, you know, some of the social issues that churches are facing. 
and just, you know, kind of doubling down on really being strong in the word of God, being loving and respectful, but not, we're not going to bend on this. Uh, we do, um, we do see around us some churches are, are, are looking to be um, a little bit too affirming in these areas. And I think it, it's going to cause some problems. So we've had to go back and say, why do we believe this? And why does God value this? And how do we continue to stand for it and still reach out lovingly to the people around us? So that that certainly has been um, more in the forefront in the last several years. A lot of in-your-face stuff, um, but that's okay. Uh, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And uh, the church should expect it. And we're called to be salt and light. And it's not always going to be well-received, but we should do it graciously. But we need to continue to stay biblical. I'm very concerned about the shift of the local church um, from some of these things that are very clear in Scripture uh, about marriage and, and other things. And um, these are foundational things that we need to be uh, very uh, strongly um, supporting and reinforcing. How did you and your church navigate COVID during? How have you come out of it? What are still some challenges you find today as, uh, you know, some people have come back, some people haven't, uh, all those kind of issues. How, how did you navigate it and how, how's it going now uh, post-COVID, if, if there is such a thing? Yeah, Steve, God was very gracious to our church. Um, we certainly had our ups and downs and, and differences of opinion, but we really tried to strike um, at the leadership level a balanced approach um, to try not to go to the extreme in either direction. I, I know that didn't necessarily work well for other churches, but for us it did. We did uh, we did uh, see um, the process go longer than we wanted, but on the other side of it now, I would, it's probably safe to say that we retained about 90 to 95% of our people, which we're very thankful for. And, um, and so we're, we're just looking to move on from that. But a lot of it was a balance and just allowing people to express um, their different views, but then gathering together as the people of God and asking ourselves, how should we be treating each other uh, primarily? And, and then we'll go from there. You mentioned the word balance. Uh, I can't imagine. Uh, you, first of all, you're not a, not alone in this, but personally, how do you handle the balance of you are Jay, a uh, husband, you are Jay, dad, you are Jay, lead pastor of a church, and you are Jay, boys varsity soccer coach at a public school. I imagine balance <laughs> is something that that you uh, is is struggle is that a is that a safe word to say or you you have to be aware of it don't you all the time yes and, and then there are certain seasons of ministry that um think that that balance is more important when we get into soccer season i do need to uh, balance uh, more intentionally my study time my family time uh, my care time for church people because soccer takes up um a lot of time that um, I can use for those types of things uh, during that kind of two to three month period in the fall. So the the balance must be there. And I, I rely upon my wife. She's been a wonderful partner in ministry uh, for several decades. And uh, she's good at reminding me uh, or pointing out to me when that balance is a little bit out of whack. And so I, I really strongly rely on her, but it's very necessary to to do that. And there will be times where you have to get where you must give more time to certain things than others. Um, but trying to maintain a healthy 
kind of moderation is good. Thank God for the Pams in our life, right? Pam being your Absolutely. wife. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Shout out there. And speaking of that, because I don't know much about your support staff, and you can't, and you would be the first to say, I'm sure, you can't do this alone. You need people around you. Even good coaches say, I need other good, you know, I need support around me. Talk about that and how important it is to surround yourself uh, with a support staff, whether they be, you know, on staff full-time or just people around you that uh, support you in your, in, your, in your daily life as a pastor. Yes, those things are, are critical, Steve. I think um, pastors um, can get in trouble when they don't have those kind of uh, settings in place um, because it provides not only support and care, but also accountability and, and those types of things that we need. I have a great uh, uh, deacon board here in our church that uh, of men that I, that genuinely care for me, care for my family. Um, it's, it's more than just a, a role for them. I, I, they, they care about my spiritual life. Um, I could go to them with uh, struggles that I have and feel that, that they would be receptive to that. They care about my family um, I also have a great uh, staff guy with me, uh, Nick Boothman. Uh, he just came on a couple of years ago, um, right kind of at the, towards the tail end of COVID. And what a blessing that was. And uh, him and his wife and his family have been partners in ministry with us, just hit the ground running. And um, that's been really helpful. But uh, if someone's listening and, and they're in a ministry, uh, you don't have to have a paid staff person with you, but Please surround yourself with people like that who will speak into your life, love you, uh, encourage you, but also call you out when necessary, because otherwise, um, too many times we become uh, isolated. And that's exactly where the devil wants to find us and, um, and bring us down. So encourage people to do that. Find, find that support team. I've talked to some other pastor who are, you know, pastor, but also friends of mine over the years and in the subject of like small groups, it's like the one, one I'll never forget. It said, it's like, it's really difficult uh, to me to be in a small group, uh, especially with people of my church, because I don't, I don't want to share everything. It's not probably the proper thing to do. That's why accountability is a very, very important thing. Is that something that you and other pastors have talked about? It's like, it's hard to get in a small group in my own church. Yeah, I do think that's, um, be a challenge because there are probably some things that um, maybe are not appropriate for a small group um, or they, they're not going to be able to process it that well. Um, but again, I think it can be done, whether it's, it might be an informal group of people that you've gathered in your life. I will stay, Steve, at least for, for myself right now. My wife and I lead a small group of uh, just five other couples in our church. And we're pretty confident we can share quite a bit with them, but that, that's taken time. Um, and so I, if it was our first week with this group, uh, no, there's certain things we wouldn't share. But I think as you develop deeper relationships with people, you probably can get to that place um, of being, being willing to do that and being able to do that. We mentioned your wife, Pam, but also to grown children that are married. How, how does that, uh, maybe for young pastors who maybe have younger kids, uh, how'd that whole journey go? I mean, them dealing with, hey, my dad's the pastor. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it seems like they, uh, well, I'm on the back side of it now. It, it, it seemed like at the time they navigated it well, um, but 
you know, as they have gotten older, there are times when we've had conversations where they've kind of shared the challenges that they felt, even though we tried not to uh, impress them or put, put upon them those kind of uh, expectations. But naturally, they tried to work their way through those um, those issues. And I think they still understand the dynamic. I, I think they still are able to look at uh, Pam and I and see us as uh, mom and dad before they see us as pastor and wife and but yeah it's it's not easy and um, trying for them to embrace faith on their own um, so that it becomes something um, primarily important to them and and what that will look like for them as adults is something we continue to encourage all right final question and i'm not going to ask you to try to explain the the holy trinity the father son the holy spirit and how that all works but almost as complicated almost as complicated since you're a soccer coach. Can you explain to us non, I mean, I'm a big sports fan, but I'm not necessarily a huge soccer fan. Can you explain extra time to me? How does that work? And how do they decide how much time extra time? It's like, Oh, yeah. The extra time in soccer. How does that work? Steve, I think I heard you bring this question up on the radio. (laughs) Still haven't found the answer. Probably. I still, I can't explain it to anybody, you know? Yeah, stoppage time is is really kind of a, a, a like a high level soccer thing, English Premier League. Uh-huh. It's just uh, you know, it's, if they would get the guys to stop faking injuries and and kicking oh, the ball out of bounds when oh, it's not their ball, I hate that. If they could get all that yeah. to stop, we'd have no right. stoppage time. Oh, good, good. So, so it's it's more that's the this the extra time is more of an effect of the problem. There's the yeah the fake yeah. injuries and stuff. They're not behaving like gentlemen, and so they basically or they're. They're staying down on the ground with what appears to be a broken leg for four minutes, and it's really just nothing. Have, have so, any of your I, – I say this half-kiddingly, but also after, have since uh, kids these days watch that soccer, have you, ever, have you ever noticed any of your kids, whether it be in practice or game, like kind of like go, oh, or maybe someone on another team? Certainly not your team, Jay, because you wouldn't stand for it. But um, certainly yeah. on, an, on another team, is like fake an injury and try to do that. Do they, do they do that at that level or not? Um. They don't, they don't necessarily fake an injury, but they try to fake that the foul was much worse than it was so that the referee will you oh, know, okay. blow the whistle. The flopping, and, if you will. Maybe, the flopping, yeah. Okay. The yeah. flop. Yeah. yeah, the flop is more the flop. more prevalent in the high school right. soccer. I think it's the first time I've ever interviewed a pastor we said the word flop. Uh, so that would be... That's right. That's, uh, y- yeah, that's bad because we don't want sermons to flop. No, no. Isn't that amazing how you, sometimes, I bet you've had sermons where you thought... Oh, boy, I did flop. I didn't think. But then you talk to someone afterwards and God, despite your humanness, reached them in a way that you never even imagined. That's right. That's right. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. And Hmm. yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Well, Jay, Jay Riggleman, Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. uh, We appreciate you taking time. Thank you. I know it's uh, it's not easy work being the, the lead pastor and and what pastors have said to me before, it's like, well, the church would be easy if it wasn't for the people. Uh, the people are what, you know, but you're a people, I'm a people, people, are, we're all flawed. We're all human. Uh, we're all sinful. Yeah. And uh, we're all fall into that same category. So we continue to pray for, for you, Jay, and your wife, Pam, and, and Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. Uh, we continue to do that. And and because uh, it's not easy work, you're on the front front lines of the battle. And uh, we, we appreciate the work that you do. And uh, thank you for taking the time uh, today to, to talk about uh, the life of a pastor. Well, thank you. 
You've been listening to episode four of The Calling, a Family Life original podcast. Be sure to check out all of Family Life's original podcasts, including Therese Talk, If That Makes Sense, The Powerable Podcast, and Business by the Book. You can find them wherever you download content or at familylife.org. Family Life is a not-for-profit listener-supported ministry, relying on your generous support to make podcasts like this possible. Find out how you can get involved when you go to familylife.org.